You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. You do with it. Everything that I've poured out to you thus far, you've been faithful to pour out into the streets. But the more I pour out, the more responsibility you have to take it to the places that I ask you to go. Obedience has been what you've been talking about, and I know that it's your heart cry. But tonight I'm going to activate you in something new. It's a new piece of my heart that you've longed for on the inside but haven't been able to verbally articulate that you actually wanted it. It's a whole new level of my goodness and a whole new level of my love that not only your city needs, not only this nation needs, but every nation in the world needs. Some of you in this room are called outside of this nation, but others of you are called just down the street. Wherever I've called you to, be faithful in what I've asked you to do. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple, just like the cross is. And as you continue to pour, I'll continue to pour out more. I could see this picture of the open heaven that's over our region. I could see it getting bigger. I don't know why or how or any, I understand all that. But I do know now's the time for more of our city to be one to Jesus. For more of our culture, more of the world's culture that's in our region to be transformed, to be shifted. There's a shift that's happening. You guys have been feeling it that are sensitive to spiritual climates and spiritual atmospheres. I could just feel the Father's heart in this and hope I can articulate it well is that it's not for our enjoyment even though we get to enjoy Him. But that's not why He's doing it. That's not why the open heaven is getting bigger. So that the broken, the lost ones that are in darkness, messed up people, the religious, people in all walks of life would come to know who Jesus is and come to know who they are through him. It's time. It's time. I know what's happening in other places. This is specifically for our region that I'm talking about. said it last night, the church is, God's shifting the church from having church and enjoying church to being the church to being the ecclesia the called out body it's happening it's happening i felt like it's real important for us not to focus on what's not happening even in the body of christ but to focus on what god is doing and as we focus on what he is doing that biblical principle of magnification will take place it will enlarge the faith that he's created us to walk in And it will enlarge the results that he sent Jesus to pay for. I know we say it's not about results. I'm not talking about performance. I'm talking about people knowing Jesus. I'm talking about our city being transformed. That's the result of when kingdom comes. 
when the kingdom comes, when what we pray for happens, when the Father's will comes on earth as it is in heaven, there is results. There's results. Father, we thank you that we get to live in this time right now. We thank you that we get to hear your voice, that we get to enjoy these type of moments so that we can go out onto the streets and pour out everything that you have for us. I know we may not all be comfortable with going out onto the street, but when I say street, I mean outside the church building. I'm grateful for the functions and the ministries that are are for training and equipping the body. I mentioned them last night in Ephesians 4, the five-fold ministry. The whole point of training and equipping is so that every sphere of influence is impacted with the kingdom, impacted ultimately with the heart of the Father, that his love is to invade every area of this world. It's what it's about. It's why moments like this happen. There's a point to the encounter. There's a point that you got knocked on the floor. There's a point that you, you scream out to God when you're experiencing him. He's transforming us. What will we do with it? What will we do with what we've been given? Can I be faithful with the one in front of me? Can I be faithful with the one in front of me? <laughs> or do I need more? Do I need a platform? Do I need a stage? Do I need a crowd? What's it about? What's it about? I just feel like he's asking me that question tonight. I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but I know he's asking me, what's it about for you? What's it about? Is it about the one? Is it about Jesus getting the reward out of your life? <laughs> Jesus, you paid so much. Paid so much for us to be able to walk in this. You paid so much. <laughs> I thank you that the pressure's off. There's no pressure to perform. Or to hear a word like this and think that I gotta move into being a doer. Only a doer. I pray that this word would, as we go back and listen to it again, as we process it, as we pray through it, as we hold it before us, as we've been talking about this weekend of stewarding a prophetic word, I pray that it would give us the strength as the grace that was released from it would help us to step into everything that you have for us to do. And then we do every bit of it from who we are as sons and daughters who would never turn into just being a doer. Just for doing things for the sake of doing them. Performing just for the sake of pleasing. But living from rest as sons and daughters. And through that we'll see the greatest result that we, that we ever could imagine. Teach us what it is to love the one in front of us. I know it's not complicated. 
Teach us what it is to not be distracted away from the one that's right in front of us, waiting for the next conference or the next missionary trip or the next whatever. Help us see the clerk that's hurting, the gas station attendant, the person walking down the street. Help us to be so bold as to pull over our cars and go after the person. It's walking down the road. I pray, God, we'd move away from having to have a great big gathering, Lord, to do something. We'd reach the co-worker. Reach the fellow student. Reach the teacher that we have. Reach the family member that we're at the family gathering with. We'd love the lost and the religious just the same. We'd be just as patient with the, with the religious as we have been with the lost. God, that we wouldn't point the finger at others because they're not doing something the way that we think they should be. And we just love them with our heart wide open. Let us be an example. I know there's people in this room that already are. Let us be an example. Father, let's not get caught up in church politics. and What can sometimes be a business tree, Lord, of, of ministry? I know all of that has its place. Father, let us not get so engulfed in being an organization, Lord, that we organize you out of our gatherings. Where we miss moments like this. <laughs> I hope this makes you so uncomfortable you can hardly stand it. <laughs> I hope you hear me when I say this. I don't think the Father cares about you and I being comfortable. <laughs> if he did, he wouldn't have sent a comforter. Comfort's been my own worst enemy many times. Moments like this when the holiness of God would fill the room. When the heart of the Father engulfs us, there's an opportunity to step into a place of our identity that we haven't yet, for whatever reason. Maybe it's just a shift in our thinking. Maybe it's the lie that we've believed. Maybe it's just like flipping on a switch. No, it's... No, it's not complicated. I, I know I don't always have the right language for it. And I know there's opportunities in moments like this. I want to steward them well, Lord. We want to steward them well. I want you to show us what it's like to go from being sons and daughters to being the bride. There's access that a bride has that a son and daughter doesn't. There's an intimacy that a husband and wife have that, that a father and his kids don't. 
God, show us what that's like. I don't even pretend to know. I know the result will be us being love. That's what I care about. No, we got that word, Lord, about being unoffendable. That's what you are, and that's what we want to be. God, that religion would no longer offend us. I know you confronted it. I just feel like that's the that's what he's saying. Don't let religion offend you. Don't let it upset you to the point that you step into a place of who's right and who's wrong. Going back into the, the thing of arguing over, over truth. Instead of loving into truth. Love him into the truth. He's loved us into the truth. That's the only way we got here. He loved us into it. He gave us grace. None of us got here on our own merits. None of us got here because we were so educated or because we learned homiletics or hermeneutics or know what a diamond sermon is or exegesis or all the theological things that we've learned and the big words in the seminary and college education, whatever it is. I know that stuff has its place, but none of us got to the place of revelation that we are right now and into the place of the Father's heart because of what we've earned it's all been by grace. It's all been by grace. It's all been by grace. So why can't we give grace to others? Why can't I give grace at times? Only way I can say it is I believe that at times I step out of who I was never... I step out of who I was always created to be into a place of who I was never supposed to be into, into the person I was never supposed to be. And then I become critical of others. I start to criticize their theology. I start to criticize. I know there's a place when people get fall, far off into error and, or preaching stuff that is just weird. It's not Bible. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the criticalness that I've seen myself and pastors and preachers and worship leaders and Christians in general. Things that we think that we excel in, the things that we think that we've mastered. When I come into the place of being critical, I think that I've mastered the thing that I, I get to do, the privilege I get to have in the kingdom of doing this. break criticalness off of us right now, would you? Would you be so kind as to break criticalness off of us? And our new nature, Lord, would stand up straight and tall from the inside of each one of us. <laughs> 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 
it would destroy that criticalness that's still part of that old nature that's supposed to be dead. <laughs> Dead people don't aren't critical. Dead people don't criticize. Dead people don't sin. Dead people don't care what others think about them. Moments like these are when you're on the street. You're telling somebody about Jesus. If you still look around, if you still care, it's okay. I'm very familiar with the feeling. Lived in it for years. Just say this to all of us is that if I still care, it's still a part of me alive that's not supposed to be. There's a fear that I'm not supposed to have. I know it makes some of you uncomfortable when we tell fear to go to hell. Shame to go there too. We're just telling it to go in its rightful place. It's where it belongs. Fear is a spirit, not just a feeling. It's a liar. Restricting some of us in the room tonight. Shame is too. Shame, shame's telling us that we're something we're not. Shame's that voice when you, when you mess up and sin, it tells you that you are what you did. That's not true. Then I empower it when I believe it. Thank you, Father, for the weighty love. Weighty love that you are. And that you release, breaking the power of fear right now. Just felt like the Father wants to address the topic of what it is, the, the popular opinion of the day. <laughs> it's not popular to tell people that Jesus is the only way. It's not popular to talk about Jesus openly. Tell people that he not only loves them, but his love is going to transform them. His love's not just acceptance of what they do, but it's actually got a destination that's deeper in his heart and wholeness, bringing them out of everything they were never supposed to be. It's not the popular opinion of the day, but I'll tell you that the popular opinion of the day is not on the Father's heart. <laughs> if I can say it like this, it's not supposed to be on the menu for Christians. I'm not supposed to be concerned with being politically correct. I'm not giving you a license to go and hurt people's feelings in the name of love. 
said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right? Send us out as sheep among wolves. <laughs> There's a prayer that was prayed. I think it was in Acts chapter 4. The apostles had just been beaten, a few of them, for speaking truth. Would we take a beating for truth? Would we take a beating for the truth? They get beat for the truth. Speaking what they know, what they've experienced, what they've seen with their own eyes. And then demonstrating it by a lame man being healed. They really counted it all joy. <laughs> James says, count it all joy. <laughs> Sometimes in America, we relate that to somebody cutting us off or being mean to us, unfriending us on Facebook, didn't like our post was mean to me. Can't believe it. <laughs> that wasn't what James was talking about. <laughs> Count it all joy. They'll really persecute you for the truth. <laughs> They'll discredit you. Run your name through the mud. Run your name through the mud. <laughs> Maybe take it to the next level and beat you. If you got to die, count it all joy. I don't mean just literally. I mean, I mean, I mean literally, not just figuratively. <laughs> count it all joy. The apostles count it all joy when they get beaten. They show up and have a prayer meeting. Persecution causes unity, causes church growth too. And they pray for boldness. They don't pray for the rapture to come. God, come rescue us. Please hurry up, Jesus, and come back. Please rescue us from this awful world. I can't believe you left us here to suffer like this. Never came out of their mouths. Wasn't even a thought in their minds from what we can see, the life that they lived. This is what they do. They say, God, give us boldness. <laughs> God, give us boldness that we may speak your word and that signs and wonders would be done and that you would stretch forth your hand to heal in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the place where they were was shaken. Literally shaken. They were filled all over again. They weren't filled just to have a good time. They were filled so that they could see the kingdom expands. People added into the kingdom daily.
They counted it all joy from what I could tell because there's nothing else in the world they'd rather give their lives for. Is there anything else in this world that we'd rather give our lives for? Is there a plan B if this doesn't work out? Judas had a plan B. If this thing with Jesus doesn't work out, I'll have this money I skimmed off the top. Got this sack of cash. I'll be all right. He was the weakest link because he was the one that was looking for the other option. He was open to options. Are we open to options tonight other than Jesus? Other than giving our lives for this? Are we open to options? Is that too much? Does that make you uncomfortable when you think you might have to give your life for this? Does it? Apostles weren't after an exit strategy. Didn't have a plan B. Peter wasn't even willing to be crucified like Jesus. He said, you get to crucify me upside down. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. <laughs> Do you know it takes longer to die like that? If it could be more painful, it is. I'm not saying I've reached everything, I've obtained everything, I've gotten to the place of some of the things that have even come out of my mouth tonight. But I know there's only one plan. It's plan A. It's what he rescued this little bitty life for. I get to lay it back down. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. If it's anything but a privilege to me, I've missed something. Can I count it all joy? Or does everything have to be going right? Is it all got to be going right? Oh, my legs are so numb. (laughs) 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 Heidi's way more sophisticated than me. If she can do it, so can I. What's it about for me? It's about right and wrong or it's about truth and love? What would it look like for the church to leave the topic of right and wrong? This denomination's right, this denomination's wrong. My theology's right, your theology's wrong. Way I prophesy is right, the way you prophesy is wrong. Way I move in healing is right, the way you move in healing is wrong. The way we do church is right. The way you do, your lights aren't bright enough. You don't have enough smoke. You don't, 
The chairs are pointed the wrong way. Not enough cushion in them. Building isn't big enough. Makes me feel uncomfortable. It's too intimate in here. Too much intimacy for me. I need a bigger space. I need to be able to sit in the back, get in, get out, not get hurt. Don't want any Jesus to get on me. Somebody taught me I could just go to church and not be the church. I know I'm being a little cheeky and funny. Got to make light of it because honestly, it's incredibly sad. I've been busy raising up a generation of churchgoers. If I'm honest, I don't know how pleased Jesus is with any of it. I don't know. I'm not saying he's displeased or pleased. I'm just saying the way we do the whole thing is probably up for grabs, you know? Ministry is not a position to be coveted so that I can make money. It's not supposed to be a, a position to attain to. It's supposed to be a position that we're called to. Every single believer has that calling on their life. Maybe a different function. Maybe a different part of the body. And different piece of the puzzle, however you want to say it. But across the board, it's the same for everybody. Reach the lost. Be the body. I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm picturing the Father as like, he's like upset or I can't believe they're not getting this. Believe me, he, he knew all this. Whatever happened, I actually see an excitement. Uh, the expression on his face, it's excitement because we're actually coming into what he always planned. We're actually stepping into this thing that, that we're talking about of being the body. <laughs> that gatherings are really becoming what they're supposed to be, the training and equipping of the saints, the holy ones. Ooh, ooh, the holy, holy, holy ones. <laughs> I know it makes you uncomfortable to think that you're holy. It's okay. You didn't make it happen. He did. He made us holy. You can't do anything about it. <clears throat> I tried. I tried to live unholy, made bad decisions, no. <laughs> repeatedly fell on my face, wanted to give up, thought about it so many times I can't even count. He just kept speaking truth into my life, just waiting for the moment that I would discover who I already am. <laughs> 
You know, with every word he speaks, the reality of who we are becomes an opportunity in that moment for us to actually become the very thing, the very person he already sees us as. <laughs> Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Yeah, it's the holiness of God. True holiness is attractive to the world. Jesus walked in holiness, right? Never sinned. Jesus walked. He was the example of what holiness really is. It's to live out of our identity. And it was attractive to the world's culture. The only culture that had a problem with it was the religious culture. It was attractive to the lost Maybe one of the ways I know how I'm walking in holiness is it becomes attractive to the lost and the messy and the messed up. They're drawn to me like a magnet and don't even know why at times. Come up to me and just start spilling their guts and telling me their problems and then say, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I get to just smile and say, I know. (laughs) Jesus loves you pulled you into this moment because he wants you to know it. It's when you get to tell the person that you know something about them you couldn't have possibly known if it wasn't for Jesus. We call it reading their mail. We're at a prophetic conference, right? I get to tell them things. I get to glimpse into the thoughts that the Father has about them, the things in their life that He sees and He loves, the value that He's placed on the inside of them that they can't even recognize anymore because it's so covered up with darkness. In those moments, I get to share with them how I know those things. It's because of the one who loves them he showed me, loved me, and now I get to show you he loves you. He's for you, not against you. And there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Not darkness, not any demon in hell. <laughs> no matter what you've done in your past, I'm all familiar with that. You can't do anything bad enough to separate yourself from the love of the Father. That truth right there, it's not, a, it's not acceptance. That truth right there breaks the power of the thing they were never supposed to be. I'll tell you, I so desperately want to get up and preach. If somebody will help me up, I'll try. I can't make any promises, though. 
was <laughs> brought in reinforcements. Brought the big guns in. Grab my hand here. Yeah, wrist, whatever you want to grab. Well, <laughs> Let me take this. <laughs> Too soon. most un incredibly uncomfortable stools were ever made. <laughs> I think it was a little premature. guys here on Saturday night. I hope you're already givers. Back of this chair doesn't feel very well made. feel more uncomfortable with the lights on. <laughs> Good news is I got feeling in my legs. those notes. Take a vote. Notes. No notes. You're shaking your head different ways. You're pointing. I don't know what that means. No notes. We'll go with Matt. He's the only one that really spoke up. I trust you, man. This is a great big flop, though. I'm blaming you. You're like, you just preached on the floor for 30 minutes. Shoo. It really just happened, didn't it? Shoo. Okay. It was bound to happen sooner or later. Preaching from the floor? Felt good. Felt liberating. 
You ought to try it. I'm telling you, organized religion's overrated. Sophistication is too. If I, if I, if in the name of sophistication and organization, I feel like I have to be proper, and it, it voids the everything I'm doing of the power and presence of God, I've probably missed it. I've turned it into some kind of seminar that Holy Spirit didn't even have to be present at for it to happen. If I can do it without Him, what am I doing? Is there anything we're doing that we can do without Him? and going with the theme of the prophetic can I, if it's a word I can give without him what am I doing don't, don't miss me in this be encouraging be so encouraging it's aggravating to the people that are around you be that person because if you can be that encouraging you'll naturally be prophetic You don't have to try to prophesy. You really don't. Am I saying practice the prophetic? Absolutely. But what if the prophetic was actually more of me resting in who I am and allowing him to activate the unique sound that he only created me to release? What if the prophetic word that I'm releasing is less important than the sound that I'm supposed to be releasing that comes with it? Did you know that each one of us were created uniquely to release a sound that never has been and never will be again released on the planet? What if the prophetic was more about me releasing the sound that he created only me to release than it was about me giving a word? In Acts chapter 2, there's a sound of mighty rushing wind that comes. There's 120 believers that are in the upper room and they're waiting on what Jesus promised, on what Joel prophesied out of Joel chapter 2, on verse 28 and 29. The Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. There's 120 people that were just crazy enough to believe that Jesus was telling the truth. When they did that, there was a sound that came from heaven. It wasn't something that you heard in the spirit. It wasn't rain. It wasn't a portal that people saw and tried to jump in that wasn't there at a prophetic conference. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you just be glad you don't. We've turned this thing into something that can be extremely weird, right? I'm not saying the prophetic sometimes is, is, is far beyond our comprehension. I believe that most of the things of God are far beyond our comprehension. But I feel like that, that we are responsible for raising up a people that are so incredibly weird that they can't even reach people in the world any longer. 
they've become so incredibly weird that they can't, re- they can't relate to the world anymore. They can't even get down on their level. They can't even articulate the gospel in a way that can be understood. They couldn't teach a new believer's class. I couldn't talk to somebody that came off the street, just came into a relationship with Jesus and tell them who they are. They'd make it so mystical that it couldn't even be comprehended. Church is responsible for that. Right? You can't say. You can't say. When you're one body, you won't say. When you realize the oneness we are, the unity that we have as the church, that we all are the bride, regardless of denomination affiliation, regardless of who we claim to be a part of as covering or ministry name, we can't say that that doesn't fall on us. All right? Because if I can say that when one part of the body hurts, the whole part of the body hurts, right? If I can say that, you believe that, right? We all believe that. That we tend to that part of the body that is hurting in that moment. We gather around them. We encourage them. We, we pour love on them. Whatever the situation is, whether it's a physical infirmity of cancer or there's some kind of physical pain, if it's some messed up situation where somebody died prematurely or tragedy or, or catastrophe or whatever it is, life happening to them, something that's just awful. We gather around them, right? We pour love on them. Whatever is necessary for the situation, we pour love on them. So in this situation, we become responsible for the people that are being raised up that, are, that aren't becoming relatable to the rest of the world because of, because of what we've made the prophetic. That we've made the prophetic at times something that becomes functional inside the building and becomes uh, things that are incredible uh, names or taglines for conferences or, or, or put on billboards. or, or to, they, they become trendy things that we put on social media, but they don't become effective in reaching the world. And the prophetic was never made just for us to have good church gatherings, for us to prophesy to one another. The prophetic was made so that we could release the heart of the Father to the lost and the broken world that is around us. So that it would make effect, it would make us effective in reaching the people that are around us. That would it would compel us so much by love that we would get in the dirt with any person at any moment so that we could let them know that Jesus loves them. I hope you don't hear me wrong. I love the prophetic. I cut my teeth in the prophetic early on in the church when I didn't have a clue what it was and I made so many mistakes I couldn't even I don't have enough time to tell you them all. I prophesied things that were just dumb. I prophesied, thus saith the Lord, the words that were not encouraging, were not edifying, were not uplifting, were not hope-filled, were full of fear and, and all kinds of other things because I didn't have anybody to teach me and the only thing I saw was the Old Testament and so I used it. I didn't know what the new covenant was. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't have it lived out in front of me and I'm not making excuses. I'm glad I lived through it. I'm not glad for the people that got hurt in the process but I'm glad that I can share my mistakes with other people so you don't have to make the same. I thought that being prophetic or even having the gift 
that I get to be. I thought it was just forgiven corporate words, and corporate words are important. Prophets and prophetic people get to give us direction. We get to hear from heaven, but it's not just them that gets to hear, right? We all get to hear. Because the prophetic is a relationship with Jesus. It's not just a gift. You don't have to pray for the gift of prophecy to give somebody a word. All you got to do is receive the gift of salvation. And immediately you become in tune to the voice of the Father. And if you're listening, even when you're not a Christian, you still hear the voice of God. We walked in a new age place. I promise I'm going to get back to Acts chapter 2. I'm not that messed up that I forgot. <laughs> we walked in a new age place. Jeff was, was with me. Might have been one other person with us. An inner path right over on 31. And went in there with the sole purpose of just reaching somebody for Jesus. We didn't know what it was going to look like. But they were following my lead because they'd never really been in that kind of environment before. And I was just trying to be an example of speaking their language. And... and um, <clears throat> That would make some, some of, most of you probably comfortable with it. Some of you would make uncomfortable, but not really our concern. I'm just reaching people by any means necessary that's not a compromise of the gospel. So I'll go somewhere that somebody else may not, and I'll speak their language. And we went up to this, this lady right next to the sign-up table for psychics, psychics and Reiki healing, and we're right there, and she's, I don't know, she's getting ready to sign up, already signed up, whatever, but we just start talking to her, and we just ask if we can pray for her to experience Jesus, to experience God's love. Just release it on her, and she says, I feel, the, I feel this warmth that went down my back. My back got hot. It was like she even said the second time we did, she's like, I feel it's starting, I'm starting to sweat on my back. It's so hot. I said, what did it feel like? She said, it felt like somebody walked up behind me and gave me a hug. It was Jesus. He was talking to her, right? Doesn't always come in a voice. Always comes with action, though. Love always comes with action. Love's an action word. The apostles knew that. All right? The apostles knew that. Let me emphasize my point that God speaks to the lost. I'll emphasize it out of the Bible just so you can tie it to Scripture. Acts chapter 2. Sound a rushing mighty wind. Everybody, there were people there in Jerusalem from every nation that was currently on the earth. You read it in verse 5. I believe it's in verse 5. Every nation. There was somebody there from every nation. They were in the town. They weren't in the upper room. So the wind was so loud that they heard it in the city of Jerusalem. And they gathered around to find out what was happening. And the next sound they hear are the apostles speaking in unknown tongues. Right? All that. But they're speaking in not a prayer language. They're speaking in the language that each one of those particular people 
speak and they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing the good news, the, the works of Jesus, right? And they're baffled, so baffled that there are some that begin to mock them and say they're drunk. They're just drunk on new wine. Peter clarifies that it's far too early in the morning for that. Can I just say that, 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 a, that a lot of times, kingdom looks messy, right? Whether it's messy people, whether it's experimenting in, 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 in the gifts and it's getting messy, whether it's just like what happened here and it just looks like controlled chaos at best, it's messy. Good news, God's not scared of a mess. And we shouldn't be either. He demonstrates it on the, on, the, on the day of Pentecost. Looked messy. Looked so messy, everybody thought they were drunk. All right? Let me tell you what they thought was them being drunk and what we've come to know is being intoxicated on the Spirit of God. That when God comes, there are moments when your flesh just can't take it and you can't get up or you've got so much peace on you that you can't move you may not do any kind of physical manifestation but it's just you may not be the one that screams or yells or any of that but it does something to us right but the something it does to us results in what we see in Acts chapter 2 <laughs> It was never supposed to be a party just for the church. <laughs> and so Peter gets up and he begins to explain to them that what you see and what you hear was prophesied a long time ago. And he begins to reiterate the prophecy that Joel spoke, right? He begins to reiterate it. He begins to reiterate what Jesus had done really gives him the business, if I can say it like that, right? He doesn't pull any punches. What happens in that moment is that this is what I see. As Peter releases a sound that only he was created to release, there was a sound that was activated on the inside of him when the Spirit of God came upon him baptized him in the Holy Spirit. It was a sound that he couldn't release before, but it was a sound that only he was created to. And when he did, 3,000, not counting women and children, were saved that day. What if it wasn't only what Peter was saying, but it was the sound that he was releasing? What if the sound that was released on the day of Pentecost by the wind coming and those that came flocking 
to hear what this sound was about. What if that wind was supposed to turn into the sound that each one of us were supposed to release out of us that only we can release, but is only released by having intimacy with Jesus and resting in our identity? I believe that's the only time that we actually release the unique sound that you and I we're the only ones will ever be able to release on the planet. What if that was what this was really about? What if it wasn't about just giving a word, but it was about being the word? I know this may be a stretch, but it makes some sense to me. So I'll pose it as a question and not as a statement. But what if, in Acts chapter 5, when Peter's, it says Peter, when they knew Peter was coming, they pulled people out on couches and cots so that him walking by, him walking by, says in some translations that his shadow may fall on some of them. Another translation says that at the sound of him coming by, when they knew that he was coming, when the sound of him was coming by, when they knew that that sound would be released, they pulled people out in the streets and they were set free, delivered from demons and healed. It says that every person was healed. There's the word all in there. Healed them all. Got something profound to tell you. That word in, in the Greek means all. I know it's deep. Say la moment. I'll give you time to take it in. What if it was because Peter was walking in who he was created to be? What if we've made this thing more about a gift than we have about being one? Psalms 127.3 says that children are a gift from the Lord. Right? Children are a gift from the Lord. Let me ask you this. When did you stop being a gift? When did you stop being a gift? If you were a gift when you were a child, you're still a gift. I know it may feel a little uncomfortable. I don't even think that's presumptuous. I believe it's just biblical truth. It's that you and I become a gift to the person that's in front of us, not by any of my own merits. Because a gift is received, right? Gift can be rejected or it can be received. When the gift is rejected, it's not hurt though, is it? For some of us, when we got rejected, when we tried to minister the gospel, or reach somebody for Jesus, left a wound. Jesus is going to heal it tonight. What that wound does, it stops me from trying to reach somebody else because I'm scared of rejection. (laughs) 
Jesus isn't going to let that keep happening. It's time for it to go. I know what it feels like. I know. If it's the worst thing that ever happens to me because of the gospel, I'm good with that. I didn't reject me. I didn't make me a gift. God did. Do you know that there are, I don't know how many, what, a hundred trillion planets in the galaxy? Something crazy like that? I don't even know if that's all of them. Probably more people than will ever be on the earth, right? God made every one of those planets uniquely. Every single one of them. Then he made you and I uniquely, right? He handcrafted you. He handcrafted you, and when he breathed life into you, I believe if he can create a hundred trillion or however many trillion planets there are, that when he breathed life into you and I, he breathed a unique sound into each one of us. that was waiting to be unlocked when I got the revelation of who I am. <laughs> Peter got it. The apostles got it. Jesus was our example of what it looks like. You and I are destined to do it. It's what we were made for. Let me fill you with some hope and then I'll close. God's going to unlock some things on the inside of us tonight. God's angels are here to unlock some stuff on the inside of us tonight. <laughs> Just think of how many times they were mentioned in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. Why does it still make you so uncomfortable? <laughs> They're just here to serve. <laughs> if we knew how much they did, we'd be more grateful for them. <laughs> Saved my life more than once. Even since I've been a Christian, those stories are for other times. Before the foundation of the world, God dreamed you up. And he thought so much of you and I that he put a sound on the inside of you that was similar to the snowflake that would never be there would be another, never another one like it, right? Everyone is unique. There's an imprint. It's almost like a thumb imprint on the inside of you, and it's the Father's. But the Father's thumb's so big that the imprint that He leaves on the inside of us is different on every single person, if I can say it like that. It's unique. And so he thought so much of us that he said to himself, this is what I picture, and I can't prove this to you in Scripture, but this is, what, this is what his thoughts, this is what the Word 
leads me to believe. I didn't get here just because I'm guessing. I got here because of what God says about me, what he says about all of us. And it's this, is that I trust you with the sound that only you can release. And I trust you to release it in the time that I created you release it so that you can make the impact that only you were created to release. The unique impact in the unique space and the unique sphere of influence that only you and I were created to release. He trusts us way more than we customarily trust ourselves. And so why don't we move out of the trust that we have and move into the trust that he has? <laughs> because everything that I have for my own human instinct and my own soul is limited. And I can only do so much with it. Now, I can do some hard work and everything that I work to do, I'll have to maintain in my own strength. And I may accomplish some things. And so I can get results outside of living out of my new nature and releasing the sound that only I was created to release. I can get results out of that place. I absolutely can. I can see people come to Jesus. I can see people pray a prayer. I can see healings. I can see deliverances. Jesus says some stuff about some people in Matthew 7, though, that kind of messes me up when he says, didn't we do signs and wonders in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? We did miracles in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. What's lawlessness? It's to live outside of law. What law did Jesus come with? Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He summed them all up in that. So what if the sound that we were created to release was the unique sound of love, the Father's heart, the Father's heart, I believe it's so big that each person that ever has been, ever will be, and currently is on the planet right now, got a little piece of it to release through the uniqueness that he created us in, through the sound that we have on the inside of us. That sound is supposed to look like love. Sound like love, look like love, and bring the impact that only love can bring. It's the impact that you were created to bring to this city, to this region, to this nation, some of you to the nations of the world. (laughs) It's when you and I release the sound, you won't have to try so hard to get somebody saved. It becomes easy. becomes easy, right? It just becomes, it's like, it's like the aha moment of this is what I was created for. Ah, uh, I've got enough time to address this. I know somebody in the room may have thought, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I'm not, re- I'm not, I'm just not called to, to get people to, to get saved. Get people to say the salvation prayer. Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. I say it like this. 
Jesus didn't appear to me to be an evangelist. If we were to gift him, categorize him in the fivefold, I'd say he's way more of an apostle than he was an evangelist. Right? Culture shifter. <laughs> but he did evangelism out of his nature. It was his nature to reach lost people. It was his nature to love lost people. It was his nature to release that sound that the Father created him to so that culture could be shifted. Because when a sound comes, the atmosphere shifts in a place, whether it's in a room or it's in a city. And I'll tell you this, is that it starts when we know who we are and we start to be the the thermostat and not the thermometer. And when I walk into a room, I actually shift that atmosphere because what I mean by that is it doesn't affect me any longer. The depression, the suicidal thoughts, the anxiety, the fear, I, I don't succumb to that. I don't bow down to that. It doesn't affect me. I may be aware that it's in the room, but it's not messing me up any longer, right? I've been a feeler for years and it messed me up for a while. I didn't know, I didn't know who I was. It wasn't because I didn't know how to operate out of my gifting. It was because I did not know who I was. And so now I still feel it, but it doesn't mess me up anymore. Because I realized that I'm light, it's dark, game over. <clears throat> and so it starts when I realize who I am and I walk into the grocery store and I know that the whole atmosphere shifts everywhere that I walk and I don't have to try. I don't even have to be praying. It's just part of who I am. In every footstep, I'm releasing sound that is shifting the atmosphere where I am. It's giving people opportunity when they get near me, when they get in this circle that's around me from the sound that I release. There, it gives them the opportunity in that moment to receive Jesus. I just need to get near them. Just be around them. Just say hi to them. Whatever it is, I just... I just Anything, if I'll just be intentional, if I'll just step out of my comfort zone, if I'll just do something, right? From that place of identity, people get the opportunity to receive Jesus in that moment. The revelation of Jesus is on the inside of every single one of us. You know how I know that? Because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Father. And He lives inside of us. <laughs> I don't have to try to release revelation. All I have to do is be. And then it goes from when I realize that I'm shifting the atmosphere everywhere I go, that when I go into my neighborhood, then I start to drive by my neighbor's house because this thing increases. It increases, right? I talked about the parable of the minas last night. Just I was taking, I don't know, an offering or something. And by the way, please give. <laughs> we need money to go spread the gospel overseas. <laughs> I can give you some I just trust you how about that 
But the parable of the mine is the ruler, the prince, the king, whatever translation that you read, he trusts them with a certain amount of money. And when they were faithful in what they got, they actually they increased in authority. The one came back and he said, you've been faithful. Because you're, what you took what you had, you invested it, right? <laughs> he did something with his gift. He did something with his, with his gift. He, <laughs> you're the gift. <laughs> Let's transition from thinking about, I need a gift. I'm all for the gifts. Don't, please don't, don't, please don't catch me on a technicality. Let's shift from thinking that I need a gift to knowing that I am a gift because the Holy Spirit is in me and on me and he was the original gift. He did something with the gift. He did something with his life. He did something with the little bitty life that he was given. He invested that life and then the king, Jesus, gave in return. He said, you be ruler over 10 cities. Authority, right? There's increase. When I use what I've been given as a son, use as a son or daughter, and I start to live out of that place that he already created me to live out of, then what happens is, is that I'm faithful in the grocery store. In aisle six, there's a miracle, right? <laughs> Somebody gets healed, and then it leads them into giving their life to Jesus. Oh, they just get healed. Whatever it is, there's a miracle that happens. Love impacts a person in a place where they were not expecting to impact, be impacted, right? Love goes to the pride festival. And <laughs> love goes into the Slovenian private club and sees people healed. <laughs> right? Love goes to whatever. <laughs> Love's going to Steak and Shake clearly tonight. One of you guys are, but not this guy. Hey, hey, one bad meal already, so. <laughs> they, every time we go to a Mexican restaurant, miracles happen. People give their life to Jesus. I don't know if it's the chips and salsa, the queso. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know. God's just really looking, you know, he's just loving on the Hispanic community. His <laughs> but this thing increases. So as I do that and I'm faithful with the one, my authority increases. And this thing can increase so much that I'm driving down the road and my neighbors are getting an opportunity as I drive. The, the presence, the, the revival circle is no, more, no longer a few feet around me. It's, it's become, it can, it can get really big. You, 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 some of you are like, I don't understand. There's no way. Just, I, can't, I can never walk in that type of authority. I'm just too, I'm just too humble. There's, let me tell you, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where there's a limit to this thing. 
If a man can walk into a, a, a button factory and people start to fall down and give their life to Jesus, crying out for repentance, and he didn't even say a word, Charles Finney, right? He drove, it was said that he, he rode a train through a town, and when that train went through that town, they began to repent and give their life to Jesus. That, I mean, there's no limit. So picture this. You and I are faithful in the, in, the, in, the, in the authority we have. We know who we are as sons and daughters. It's a settled issue. I'm no longer trying to wrestle with who I am and who I'm not. And, you know, just, just settle it, okay? That's, it's who you are. It's who you were created to be. Done deal. The, you're blood bought, period. <laughs> it's good news. I thought you'd smile or something. <laughs> not to make you happy. And so, so picture this. We're faithful in that level. And then it gets to the place to where when you step on your street, that the presence and power of God, the the authority of heaven and the revelation of who Jesus is begins to invade houses. Darkness is broken, suicide, depression. In one moment, they were getting ready to kill themselves. And the next moment, they see Jesus because the atmosphere shifted from the sound of you just being near them. It was just exuding from you. Sometimes we think that we have to be talking for sound to come from us, but there, it's being released from you everywhere you go because it's not just physical, it's spiritual. And so because it's spiritual, it can be released through me whether I'm saying anything or not. And this thing is increasing so much so that we're going to see the cities of our nation come to Jesus. This thing is not small. This is not we're just trying to win a few people to Jesus, and I hope God comes quickly so that he can save us. No, mm -mm, no, uh uh-uh. Not doing that. We're not asking. I'm not. Every time somebody says, Jesus, come quickly, I'm praying under my breath just to be respectful. Please, Jesus, don't come yet. Hold off. I, I don't want him to come back yet. I, it's not that I don't want to be in heaven more than I want to be here. I do. But there's more people that need to know him here. And when my heart's for people, my heart's like his. <laughs> You think, well, I just want more love. I just want more compassion. It all comes from knowing who we are. You were crea- love, the love of God is, equals compassion. You know why? Because God's compassionate and he's love. So what if I didn't have to pray for more compassion that I just actually needed to rest in who I was? What if the compassion that comes from the Father when I rest in who I am, that it is like calling out to those that are around me, that's drawing them in. I mean, how else did a, a prostitute end up at the feet of Jesus, right? It's calling out to the broken. It's calling out to the lost. It's calling out to our cities. This is not a small thing. Can a city be saved in a day? Yeah. Nineveh was. What's it going to take? God already did his part. Sent Jesus. <laughs> he says, you're on deck. They get a sports analogy in there, you know? What if the sons and daughters of God lived out of our identity? What would our city look like? It's happening, and we're getting ready to find out. It's happening, and we're getting ready to find out. 
And you and I get the privilege of being a part of it. We get the privilege of living out of a place that only we were created to live from. I'm not talking about identity. I'm talking about the unique sound that you and I were created to to release. (laughs) You're more special than you know. Time to confront all of this stuff, but I, I think we've settled some of it anyway. But what I want to, what I want to close with is is this. Okay, I'm not going to do a fire tunnel, but I was considering it for a moment. It was a good idea. It just wasn't a good idea. <clears throat> I really feel like that the sound that you were created to release is going to be unlocked if it hasn't been already tonight. I believe that. I'm not into hype or any of that. And it doesn't matter to me. And so I want you, I want you to stand to your feet. If, if you feel like that's you, same. Do you do you want? To, you can. I'm, I'm good with the silence or whatever. Thank you. If you feel like that's you, uh, this is what's going to happen. This is this is so when the sound that you were created to release is unlocked on the inside of you, I feel like the revelation of who you are is is in partnership with that. It is. It's in partnership with that. It's the revelation of who you are as a son, who you are as a daughter, so that you and I can release this sound. I want you to come up to the altar space if, if, that's, if you feel like that's you. If you want that, if that's you, if it's something you want to live out of, you're living out of part of it, or however that works. I don't understand all that. I just know that God's always got more. Prayer people can I get a handful of prayer people to you can do both you are we're not going to lay hands on you yet we are going to pray we're going to pray and see what we're going to we'll just wait on God and see what he does we're going to wait on God and see what he does before we lay hands on you and then we'll start laying hands on people. And Thanks, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for releasing, unlocking. Unlocking the gift that every person is. Thank you for limitations coming off of what they thought the sound was that they were supposed to release. Thank you for lies being broken in this moment and the truth, the truth coming and overhauling thinking. I don't believe that it's got to take years. I believe it can happen in a moment. I thank you for the revelation of who we are being released on the inside of every person right now. 
an unlocking of revelation, of sonship, of daughtership. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the truth of who we are being settled in us in this moment. No longer wavering about who I am and who I'm not. Just a surety of who, I, who we are as sons and daughters. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for an unlocking right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, God. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for everything that you're doing. I don't want anybody to stop praying. I am just dismissing so that I can take this mic off and shut this part of it down and y'all can keep on doing what you're doing. (laughs) You did? I will. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. So I bless what you're doing in the room right now. I thank you, Father. Thank you that when we leave here, we're going to release a greater sound of heaven than ever before. See more souls come to you, more miracles happen. More people getting set free. More deliverance. All for your glory and goodness and your reward, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.